Prepare to hear the truth from a real whistleblower and American patriot. Here's civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and indefinitely suspended FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Thank you so much for joining me. Today is going to be a supplemental episode. What does that mean? That means I'm probably not going to have an hour's worth of content, but I wanted to say some things anyway, and so we're going to play with it. Um, Also, I found some new tools, and uh, I'm slowly working them into this because... I am an absolute gear nerd. For those of you who have never met someone like me, uh, I was the guy that people used to know as Tackleberry going through the academy, and that means that I always had the right stuff. What are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about a letter from Jim Jordan's committee. This is the Committee on the Judiciary, or the House Judiciary Committee, as we often call it. And uh, they sent a letter off to Congress. They sent a letter, sorry, they sent a letter off to Chris Ray, my former boss. I'm going to read you the letter because I don't think that you have the inkling. I don't think you have the wherewithal necessarily or the time or the interest. But I think that if you heard it, then you'd be interested in knowing what's going on over there. So we're going to go ahead and jump into reading this little document, this little gem. And uh, amusingly, they tweeted this thing out on Twitter. And then immediately the follow up was a, uh, a hat tip to me which is good because I actually exposed this document and that's what it's all about here. So I'm going to pull it up real quick. And for those of you who are watching on our Rumble channel, you can see the document yourself. Like I said, I'll read it along because I know a lot of you are audio listeners. We get about half of you listening on the audio show, about half of you listening on the, the videos. So we do appreciate you checking in. Uh, if you are listening on any one of those spots and you want to give us a like, um, we appreciate it. If you want to subscribe for more content, by all means, I'm going to try to keep doing more. And uh, I'm upgrading this equipment. As you can tell, I've just upgraded the microphone. Um, my, I had my brother, who is an audiophile, just give me an absolute hard time. But he does this kind of stuff all day long. And uh, when your family has a lot of musical talent, you you get pushed on things like microphones. So let's read this out without any further ado. This comes uh, states that uh, Congress of the United States House of Representatives Committee on the Judiciary. It is addressed to the Honorable Chris A. Ray, Director of the FBI. It says, Dear Director Ray, The Committee on the Judiciary is continuing to examine the Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI's, handling of domestic violent extremism investigations. Over the last year, we have written you several times about uh, startling allegations that the FBI is misusing DVE resources for apparent political purposes. Since those letters, new information has become public about the FBI's targeting of a set of Catholic Americans for their religious beliefs. We therefore write to request additional information about the serious misuse of federal law enforcement resources. Now, um, I'm going to just break from the document for one moment. What I alleged to them that this was a probable uh, First Amendment violation, but I guess there's a real possibility, too, that this could constitute fraud, waste, or abuse, misuse of federal resources, and that's up to uh, the people who write those laws to make that determination. So... Uh, It says, on January 23rd of 2023, the FBI's Richmond Field Office published an official document that linked, quote, racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, RMVEs, with a radical traditionalist Catholic, RTC, ideology. In this document, the FBI purported to distinguish what it called traditional Catholics from the disfavored RTC adherents, who the FBI characterized as embracing anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant, anti-LGBTQ, and white supremacist ideology. We just know how stupid that is. I'm going back to the document, sorry. The FBI even identified certain public policy issues, such as immigration and life issues, that it believed would, quote, uh, catalyze 
RTC adherence. In addition to attempting to separate and categorize Catholic Americans based on theological distinctions, the FBI underscored, we're going to go to the second page here, underscored the political nature of its actions. The FBI's, this is quote, uh, the FBI Richmond field office assesses that RMBE interest in the RTCs is likely to increase over the next 12 to 24 months in the run-up to the next general election cycle. Uh-oh. Why is the FBI getting involved in that? The FBI document cites to biased and partisan sources, including, as we stated earlier here, the Southern Poverty Law Center, Salon, and the Atlantic, in, to support its assessment. And the SPLC misleadingly defines RTCs as, quote, the largest group of serious anti-Semites in America, end quote, and believes to identify nine RTC, quote unquote, hate groups across the United States. Now, if you've read my article at uncoveredc.com, then you know that this is some of the stuff that I called out. This letter reads like my analysis, which I'm, um, you know, that's, I guess, why they gave the hat tip on it. That's good to go. Uh, it also mentions that we're going to go back to the document here. The SPLC also defines the broad term Christian identity, quote unquote, Christian identity as a hate group, a term that could arguably encompass millions of Americans with sincerely held religious beliefs. Well, if we talk about Catholics, we're talking about 70 million. So um, when you open the umbrella up to Christians, you get probably nearly every person in this country. I know there are plenty of people that I run into that say no, that they don't adhere to that. But if they were going to click a box, if they were going to join the military, when you enlist, you always uh, you know, sign off what uh, what religion you and what sort of uh, chaplain you would want to uh, come and, and visit you if you got blown up and things like that on your dog tags. And I think a lot of people would uh, put Christian identity down. All right, back to the document. The SPLC routine... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. They missed a word here. Routinely. They it should be say routinely. The, it's always embarrassing to find typos on Twitter. I've done it before too. The SPLT uh, routinely maligns several mainstream conservative and religious organizations as a quote unquote hate group, simply because the SPLC disagrees with their views. We know that's the case. They're a terrible organization and they don't do any fact checking. It's essentially a left-wing grift right now. Um, the facts, the fact that the FBI would blindly accept and regurgitate the FBI, SPLC's spin is highly concerning and undercuts the FBI's assertion that it is unbiased and politically neutral. Well, if you listen to this show, you already know the FBI is not an unbiased entity, not by a long stretch of it. And you can choose uh, any metric and any amount of time and find out that the FBI tries to put its weight behind certain things. It is shameful. And obviously it doesn't represent all FBI employees, but it certainly represents the Bureau as a whole. That's a shame. All right, so back on here, we're going back to their letter. In the wake of the backlash against the FBI's anti-Catholic document, the FBI withdrew the document and blamed the local field office level for its creation and dissemination. They cite, um, I think, Fox News writing an article, and they've also cited the Washington Times saying that it's been pulled back. Uh, however, there remain many questions about the genesis, the review, and the approval of this document, as well as the FBI's commitment to upholding the First Amendment protected activities. This is my allegation. To inform our ongoing oversight of the FBI, please provide the following documents and information. Okay, so they've sent uh, like 100 letters over to Chris Ray over the last two years or so that have been unanswered. Um, maybe they will actually answer now that there is a weaponization committee, but maybe not. So here's what it says. This is what the House Judiciary Republicans are requesting from the Bureau, and I'm sure that they are not going to give this, but if they do, it'll be not a good thing for the Bureau. Number one, all documents and communications referring or relating to intelligence products about racially or ethically motivated violent extremists and quote-unquote radical traditionalist Catholics for the period of January 20th, 2021 to the present. That's going back basically to the inauguration of Biden. 
interesting. Um, I don't think there are more than one, but I'll, I'll let them see if they get it. Number two, all documents and communications referring or relating to the by, uh, the basis for the, the January 23rd, 2023 domain perspective, as we talked about the finished Intel product, that's entitled uh, Interests of Racially or Ethnically Motivated Violent Extremists in Radical Traditionalist Catholic Ideology, almost certainly presenting a mitigation opportunity. From here on out, I'm going to call that the intelligence product because they cited a few times, which was approved and disseminated by the Richmond Field Office of the FBI. Uh, number three, a list of all FBI investigations local law enforcement agents reporting and liaison reporting with varying degrees of cooperation and access uh, to the FBI Richmond field office relied upon to make the assessments in this January 23rd intelligence product. I'm skipping the name because it's very long, but they do it because they're a formal document here. Number four, list of all the FBI employees. This one's big list of all the FBI employees involved in drafting, reviewing, approving, or disseminating the January 2023, uh, 2023 domain perspective, the uh, intelligence product that was referenced. It says, uh, please provide the following information as soon as possible, but no later than 5 p.m. on March 2nd. So that's about, what, uh, two weeks. We remind you that whistleblower disclosures are protected by law and that we will not tolerate any efforts to retaliate against the whistleblowers uh, for their disclosures. The House Judiciary can be contacted and so on and so forth. And that's the most important parts of it. So um, that's not good for them, them being the FBI, but that's what's going on. That's kind of fun. And moreover, um, I got some more information about that. So we never try to give you just one thing here. I like to give you a little bit more background behind the scenes, and I'm going to share some of that with you right now. So I got a text message this morning. Um, let me back up a little bit. I got a text message last night indicating that even though the FBI has uh, said that they have rescinded this information, that there is no longer an intelligence product that's out there with this name, it's still out there and it's on the FBI servers. And the uh, information that I got is that we've got a, um, we've got a, a number three or a number two ranked intelligence product on the FBI's Intel portal, that it is, um, that it's out there, it's being used and that uh, people are still accessing it. Now, what's, why do we think that's happening? So I think what happened is, is more likely than not, a lot of people are reading this stuff, a lot of people are seeing what has happened, and they're also shocked because there's a lot of Catholics. There's a lot of Catholics in the FBI. There's a ton of them. And so uh, what we're most likely seeing is that uh, Intel analysts and other people who have access to the Intel platform are looking at that, and then they're clicking through this thing and it's moving it up the charts. There's actually a ranking there's an actual ranking that comes in and tells us, you know, who is the uh, the uh, top Intel product writer or whatever of this particular day. So that's kind of fun. Um, and then after finding out that that's out there, I got this message that says that the, this individual was called into a meeting yesterday about the uh, the document that's uh, targeting radical uh, traditional Catholics. It was held by an ASAC. Um, it was pretty clear that the person that was in that field office had not actually read the document. Um, that they referred to, uh, that the ASAC referred to, you know, other personnel inside the office asking about it because it wasn't read by anyone. And uh, that the message that was sent out to the employees that people were supposed to have as they left that meeting was that the job of the FBI employees was, quote unquote, protect the brand of the FBI. The the FBI does not have an ability to do self-reflection and say, hey, maybe we're the bad guys in this one. Maybe this was a step too far. No, the answer was be really careful with what you write. Make sure that you're aware that anything you do could be leaked to the media. Um, 
What's funny is that more than one person has told me that this was the message they got. I don't know if this came out from headquarters and this is the marching orders, but several field offices did this. They came out and said, um, be really cautious about what you write because it could get leaked. Our stuff could get leaked. And what I've said in on Twitter right now, and I think it's important that uh, that the FBI can listen to this and know, but here's the problem with you, what, you, what you're doing, y'all. <laughs> it's really straightforward. You are admitting to the malfeasance. Like if it looks bad, you shouldn't be doing it. And it looks bad. 100% looks bad. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing that you're targeting a specific group of adherents to a religion. There is not such a thing as radical traditional Catholics. There is no such thing as a hate group that the Southern Poverty Law Center is reputable on. It doesn't mean that there's not hate groups that they've identified, but they've also smeared their own brand because they're a hate group and they call mainstream Christians, um, you know, part of a hate group. So it's really awful stuff, but it is what it is. Um, it just lets you know that the FBI knows we're on the radar. I went ahead and tweeted out that the suspendables are not done. And, uh, I'm calling for the deep state revolt, which is to say people that work in the government don't tolerate this. Like you have to go and retire and live in America, the America that you are forging, the America that you are defending with really bad policies. So I really hope that people start coming forward to Congress. And it's not just the FBI. It's not just the intelligence communities. It's a bunch of different uh, agencies. There's a lot of rot all over the place. And uh, maybe it's time for people to start realizing that being part of the federal jobs program is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, there's another thing that Mike Waller, who is an analyst at a think tank, said he put out a tweet talking about how the FBI, the Democrats are actually arguing about who's going to get this big bloated FBI headquarters project. And the senators from um, from Maryland are complaining that uh, the people in Virginia are cheating and the people in Virginia are complaining that the people in Maryland are cheating. My suggestion is it's an open suggestion and they can take it and anybody can take credit for it. Move the FBI headquarters if you're not going to just disband the agency. There's no reason for us to believe they're going to do that. But if you're not going to disband the agency, let's move it to America. Okay. I don't know anybody who's lived in Northern Virginia that thinks that's what America's like, but it's not. It is, uh, it's traffic smoked. It is full of like political activists. Everybody there is connected to something that goes on inside the seat of government for this American country. And it's bad news. It is not where you get great ideas. You get insulated echo chamber. So my recommendation is move it to Kansas City or Omaha or Oklahoma City, or somewhere in the Midwest where regular people live and shake off all these swamp rats from the uh, from the government teat. Because I'm sick of the jobs program. It's pretty gross. I, I deliberately tried to leave the area and, of course, found myself right back in the fire. But it doesn't mean that you should be sitting around there and living in D.C. and thinking that that's how people are in this country. They are not. Go out and see the vast majority of the landmass of the American continent uh, or the, at least the, uh, not all of North America, obviously the American part, the, uh, the United States part, go out there and drive around and meet people. And people in general just want to be left alone. They don't need the government in their business. Um, what they want is the government to make sure that the trains don't fall off the tracks since we've been failing at that, that the uh, Chinese don't throw, you know, uh, UFOs over the top of our um, our airspace, that the people at NORAD are showing up and doing their job and using the proper noise filters so they find things on radar, and uh, that they don't get bothered about whether the, they have to wear a mask on a plane. It's pretty straightforward stuff. Like, just do the basics, and if you want to stop fraud and and the other things that the FBI could be charged with, going after big gangs and, you know, helping, you know, go after drug traffickers that are killing kids and people that are doing child sex trafficking, all the things that nobody would have a problem with, you wouldn't have an issue whatsoever with support of the FBI on either side of the aisle. But instead, we're trying to push a political agenda. So um, once again, we're not done yet. 
I'm going to let you know that I did get some proof of life from uh, Steve Friend. He resigned his uh, post with the FBI yesterday in front of members of Congress's lawyer. Apparently, it was uh, Jerry Nadler's people, and they were unimpressive, uh, as is he. <laughs> so that probably suits them. Uh, apparently, the uh, the Republicans that showed up were very pleased with his testimony. That makes him the third friend of mine that's gone out in front of this Congress and front of this committee. They haven't asked me to testify, and so I'm not worrying about it. And there are no rules between what we communicate because I have no scheduled testimony. So they can say whatever the hell they want to me, and we'll have Steve Friend on the show next week to kind of give a wrap up and a debrief of what it looked like getting uh, te- giving testimony in front of this uh, this weaponization committee. Uh, we're still working on our other buddy who's uh, hidden in the shadows, and I do hope that he's uh, thinking about coming forward, not for, for anybody else's sake except his own. It's it's a really mentally taxing situation to not have the outlet that I do. I mean, this has been like therapy in a lot of ways. It doesn't pay anything, but I'll tell you what, I'm very appreciative that so many of you have been interested in listening to what we have to say and uh, you know, getting that information and uh, and sharing it around. And there's so many of you that are following on Truth and Twitter and so on, it's it's you know, it's flattering. Um, it also kind of helps me keep my sanity. So I do appreciate it in a big way. I'm going to go ahead and read one of our five-star reviews here. Stand by if I could pull them up. What do you think? There it is. Reviews? Probably not. I blew it. <laughs> if I had, if I had uh, planned it. So we'll do another one uh, uh, tomorrow when we actually do the long form show. And um, I'm working on a guest that should be very interesting to you. I'm a second amendment guy for all of you that can see right back behind me. You know, I, uh, I'm a big proponent of personal firearm ownership. If you listen to our last show, you know that I also believe in being responsible about it and that you should learn emergency medicine. So you are not a fool out there carrying a gun, but you are actually a, a, uh, an asset to the community and your community specifically, and that you can defend your own family. I'm going to be bringing on a, a guy named Steven Stamalia, and Steven Stamalia is a uh, attorney. He associates with Gun Owners of America, and he's worked for a Firearm Policy Coalition. If there's been significant traction on a lot of gun legislation uh, in the courts that have been illegal, uh, particularly he's got the stuff struck down in New York after they passed the whole suite of unconstitutional laws uh, post-Bruin decision, Steven's the guy that's out there doing it. If you are an AR15.com uh, forum member, you'll know him as Nolo Contendere, and uh, he's a uh, you know a friend and known to people like Mark Larue, who raise money for him on a regular basis to keep his law practice um, in in the black and uh, being able to uh, travel and uh, fight cases. And he's just coming off. He's going to do this with us on Saturday, I think. He's just coming off a week of being in Hawaii fighting the Ninth Circuit. Um, on taser laws. So we'll get an update on some of the things that he works on that he can talk about. Some of it he can't really uh, attribute to himself, but uh, but I can. And uh, we've kind of talked offline, so I'll share you the goods on this. He's another one of those people. There's a lot of patriots in this country that you don't know their name, but they are out doing great work, and they are doing the thing that you hope. When you say, you know, the ATF brace law or rule will get knocked down, I'm sure it'll get beat up in the courts. Somebody has to go do that in the courts, Somebody has to be the person that files that lawsuit, that writes that lawsuit, that pays for that lawsuit, and that actually goes and argues those cases. And Stephen is one of those guys. So we're going to have him on the uh, the long form for Monday. I'm going to let him talk for a long time. Um, he's been providing free legal advice for me for a while now. He showed up in person. He's traveled on his own dollar. Um, he's a really wonderful person, and it's what's keeping me from having to write like a bunch of checks out to attorneys that that don't care about my well being. Uh, Stephen actually uh, paid for my my trip to SHOT Show. He actually uh, booked me the hotel. And so it just cost me gas to drive out there. These are the kind of people that I'm running into these days. There are some really wonderful human beings. And um, 
I just want to expose them so we all know who they are. He's my first follower on Twitter. If you're not following him, you can check him out earlier before we, uh, we do the show next week. And his uh, his handle is at Stambo, S-T-A-M-B-O, like Rambo, but S-T, Stambo, 2A, the number two, the letter A, like the Second Amendment, at Stambo, 2A. And um, yeah, look forward to that interview. It's going to be really fun. Also, I got uh, I got an opportunity to plunk something here. We we plugged Stephen Friend's book. It's going to be in there, our comment section, or it's going to be in the show notes rather. So if you do want to buy Steve Friend's book on pre-order, it should be released this summer. Definitely do that. They might release it earlier. I think it's actually uh, being looked at by the DOJ right now, and um, and it's already made it through the editing process. So that's pretty amazing. But um, really proud of Steve for doing that. Um, my father is also an author, and uh, I'd be foolish not to mention it. So he's written two books. The one over here on my left shoulder is called One Stupid Mistake, and it says smart decision-making in a crazy world. I told him he missed out on an opportunity to say smart decision-making in a stupid world. It is a, um, a series of reflections. It's a short book. It's a paperback. It's inexpensive, and you can buy them on Amazon, or you can actually buy them from his website, which if my memory serves, is actually charlieserafin.com, so same as my name. Uh, but with Charlie with an IE at the end of it. And uh, this is the one that I think is uh, most interesting for a lot of people. And it's a very pretty title. Uh, it's a very pretty uh, cover, rather. The The book is called When Did You Stop Being You? In Search of Your Personal Brand by Charlie Serafin. Again, my dad, 73 years old. Um, when you talk about somebody who knows about branding, that's my father. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I'm in front of a microphone right now. And that's the way that I chose to go after this whole situation. My dad was on radio for, shoot, 40 years, maybe he's been on the radio again for the last couple of years in a little small uh, radio forum. Some of you that have been seeing it have seen us talking. Uh, he's a bright guy. He is the reason why I operate the way I do. I follow many of his mannerisms. I say when he, many of the things he does. In fact, uh, my sense of humor is probably lined up with his in a lot of ways. We have a, a different ability to, to communicate, but uh, very, very similar and very similar look at the world. I'm sure I got many of those things from my father and from my mother, as many of us do. So this story about personal branding and his book, again, it's called, When Did You Stop Being You? It's an, it's an experience in the fake brand that so many people put forward on social media that they put forward in their lives, whether they're on TikTok or whether they're on Facebook, this sort of false, you know, my, my family is perfect thing, and they don't align with the actual values that people live with. And so it's a, a search on how to make your personal brand, which is your real self, um, transmit in all the media that you might use, whether it's face-to-face -face or whether it's over a podcast or whether anything else like that. And uh, it's been something that I've been reflecting on and the way that I went public, I knew that uh, basically my job was going to be to say anything that is true and to avoid doing anything that's illegal, immoral, and unethical. And it's a very simple brand for me in that way. Um, I encourage you to take a look at that. If you are interested in buying the book, definitely do so. Um, I think you'll enjoy it. Like I said, we'll do a five-star review next time. I do appreciate you tuning in to this little supplemental version of the Kyle Serafin Show. And um, I will catch you guys tomorrow with a little bit longer show with some of the news updates and some of the things that's going on. I'm going to be on Joe Pags's radio show, so I'm sure that'll be fun. And uh, I'm going to keep doing media and talking to the press in the ways that we need to get this information out there. But you heard it here first. Despite the FBI saying that they have redacted the document, that they have retracted the document, that's no longer there, it is absolutely still there, and uh, we should pretty much be ashamed of them. Uh, thanks for, for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Again, hit that like button, give us a subscription if you like, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show. Be sure to follow him on Twitter and Truth, at Kyle Serafin.